0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host, as always, Phil Lanades, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us for today's show. On the episode today, we are talking with Raymond The Real Deal Daniels, the Bellator fighter. Uh, he's such a great guy. I really enjoyed talking with him. We talk about his MMA debut, which happened all the way back, little-known fact, was It took place all the way back in 2008 in Strike Force. That's right. He uh, made his, his MMA debut there against Jeremiah Metcalf, a 12 fight MMA veteran. So, a, a very tall task in his initial bout. But he had been a long time uh, karate and kickboxing champion, a big, big star in that world. And so, coming over to MMA was a big deal. This was coming on the heels of Kung Lee having all kinds of success within the sport. And so, he made his debut. At Melendez versus Thompson the first fight between those two and it didn't go the way that Raymond wanted it to but we talk about that we break the fight down we also go into him getting back into kickboxing returning to MMA just a few years ago that insane 720 punch in the in Bellator in 2019 the highlight heard around the world we get into all of that we talk about potentially fighting uh, uh Vander real deal Holyfield for for the rights to the nickname and all kinds of stuff. So it's a great chat. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right. On the line with us, we have Raymond, the real deal Daniels on the show with us today. Raymond, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great this morning. How about yourself?
0: I'm good. I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I, I mean, you're, I know you're a busy man, a, a multi-time champion in sport karate and kickboxing. And now. Uh, Back in MMA, uh, touching on your background a little bit, your grandfather was a pro boxer. Your father was also involved uh, in combat sports. So this is definitely in, in your blood. What does it mean to you to continue that family tradition?
1: Blessed with an ability. Um, you know, it's a, it's a skill set that I got to, to see growing up um, in my family uh, lineage and stuff. Um, so it's amazing to, to have the opportunity to go on and, and display my skill set on such a, you know, a global stage like a Bellator. Show. So, it's, you know, it's awesome. I feel like it's in my blood, to be honest, you know. And uh, so that's why I think I'm able to go out and do things that most people aren't able to do because I've been doing it since I could walk.
0: Well, you're definitely a unique athlete with a unique skill set. You've had, uh, and we want to delve further into your background. You had so much success in sport karate and kickboxing. You starred in Chuck Norris's World Combat League. You were undefeated there. You got a big win in K-1 as well. In fact, you were 19-0 in kickboxing when you made your MMA debut in 2008. Before we get to the fight itself, what made you want to transition into MMA? Was it seeing a guy like Kung Lee have the success he was having? What, What made you want to get into a different sport
1: yeah back in the day it was it was amazing to see uh you know a fighter like Kung lee um you know compete and he was able to use his martial arts uh skill set you know uh, he he, uh him maybe like stephen thompson there's a few people um rare people but like Kung lee was the one that really was the first one to really use his martial arts skill set and show the true Beauty of what a martial artist looks like. I mean, he was using. I mean, from spin kicks to scissor takedowns. I used. To, mm-hmm. I, I used to. I didn't miss one of his fights. They were always so impressive to me, and uh, you know, it was one of those motivating factors. Like, all right, well, let me go out and use. uh You know, my skill set. You know, kung. Uh, also had a background in uh, in wrestling a little bit, I believe, as well, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, jujitsu. But and. It, had an awesome sidekick when he was competing as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was motivation for me to go out there and, and compete in it, but I didn't do the necessary steps, uh, in order to prepare myself.
0: Okay. Um, well, I, I want to talk about that. So l- let's talk about the hype for the fight. I, I mean, you're obviously from California, Scott Coker, longtime promoter in kickboxing and karate before he got into MMA. So it makes sense for you to sign with Strikeforce. Obviously he'd had a lot of success with Kung Lee. He also had a guy, uh, Brian Schwartz who, who tried his hand at MMA and that didn't go uh, quite as well. So he'd had, you know, kind of a mixed record with that, but he liked bringing in kickboxing guys and trying them out in MMA. And you came in with a lot of, of fanfare. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to read a portion of the press release announcing your addition to Strike Force Melendez versus Thompson, which would take place in San Jose on June 27, 2008. It says, quote, already being hailed as the second coming of Strike Force World Middleweight Champion Kung Lee Daniels, recognized as the number one sport karate fighter in the world holds a six degree black belt in Kenpo and Shotokan karate, as well as a fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo packs, a thrilling dynamic fighting style that is strikingly similar to Lee. Also a guru of traditional martial arts. And you said, I'm going to give MMA fans something they've never seen before. I want to become the greatest fighter of all time. Anybody that steps in front of me is just going to be on my next highlight reel An obstacle that's standing in my path to greatness. All right. So a mouthful of, Obviously, you're being hyped to the heavens here. Did this put? Did you feel a lot of pressure from being hyped so much? Do you think that affected your performance at all? Or was it just kind of you were used to this kind of pressure? Uh,
1: no, it's a, it a combination of things. Being a young man, uh, you know, in life you uh you and as a fighter you have no doubt you have that's the one thing uh, if you want to be a mixed martial artist and a champion you have to have absolute faith and confidence in yourself and belief in yourself um uh it was a lot of pressure to be able to be compared to somebody like uh you know Kung Lee, who was an amazing champion um you know um so that 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 was you know some pressure and stuff And, and uh I learned about at, at a young age, like to not believe your own hype, so to speak, you know, because I was this undefeated kickboxer. People were saying all these amazing things about, about me. And, and as a man, sometimes you start to believe those things like, oh yeah, I am awesome. I am going to just do this. And they're like, you know, it, it, it's the true, it's the true thing. And it's like, and I learned it, it was a very humbling experience for me, but it was a great experience that I wouldn't take back because, um, because that happened to me that way, it allowed me to make sure that in life. Um, you know, I never went out and, uh, was unprepared for anything. So, um, no, it didn't necessarily get to me. I think I actually believed in it too much, what people were saying at the time. And thus, um, I didn't prepare myself properly to go out and perform at the best of my ability, you know? Um, and I think that that was, you know, the the end result of what ended up happening in that fight. And that's why that happened that way.
0: Well, you, you, I, you're saying now that you weren't prepared, did you feel at the time that you were ready? I would assume you felt like you were ready at the time. Oh. Did you feel like you were?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely at the time. I mean, now, now, now I know I was... Not prepared at all, but I hadn't really done any
0: familiarize
1: myself with wrestling or with jujitsu or anything. I was an undefeated stand-up striker. I saw a great example of like Hung Lee, like oh he's just going in here standing up and beating everybody up and knocking them (laughs) out when he wants to. I'm just gonna go in there and do that. (laughs)
0: Call
1: it a day, you know. There you go. Uh, It's funny to look back on it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things in life where uh you know you do something and you were like, oh man, I. You know, you want to go back like that. That's thus you saw my reemergence into kind of, you know, the MMA world. But uh, yeah, no, it's just definitely an interesting thing that happened to me at a young age. And, you know, uh, you have to learn, you have to grow, you know, and uh, I think it would be a total different. Like, even then, I didn't even fight my natural. I I just fought in my walk around weight class. Oh, you didn't cut weight? I, I didn't even I didn't even really uh, like that's what I said I, I didn't even know about cutting weight and I just fought with whatever I woke up that morning <laughs> so, all right well uh, it's so not- even, even weight cutting even weight cutting like I don't even fight at 185 now
0: yeah you fight at 170 I, now yeah yeah
1: I, I've even fought up, up to 195 and back in WCL times like I fight at 170 but I didn't understand about weight cutting I was just a martial artist and I was I'm a true martial artist. I wake up, I practice to fight world-class athletes every day. Um, And as a martial artist, for me, when when I say I'm not, I wasn't prepared, meaning I didn't train properly. But, you know, if someone were to come up and attack me on the street and try and harm me or my family or my wife, I would be prepared to fight. I wouldn't be like, hold on, let me weigh in, let me train for a week. I'd be ready to go. So (laughs) when the opportunity presented itself to go and fight, I'm a martial artist. I'm ready, uh, prepared to fight at all times. And it was just that uh, I didn't have enough uh, skills and certain skill sets in order to be able to, uh, you know, to do what I'm currently doing now.
0: Okay. Well, I got to ask, you did this little like dance movement thing. Do you remember like right before the fight started? Do you remember, do you know what I'm talking about? You did this like little shimmy thing and then uh like robot dance thing do you remember that at all
1: um i kind of remember a little bit of it it was kind of <laughs> like a little blur but i think i remember doing like some uh i don't know some kind of like i don't know arm waves or something yeah. like that just coming <laughs> out like kind of like i i still come out and dance a little bit you know what i mean i don't do it to that extent anymore you know that was a, a little bit younger version of me doing it yeah. but uh you know i like to try and find my 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 vibe find my energy Um, because it's uh, when when you fight, when you compete, if, as long as you're having fun, most people are going out and they're trying to fight and they're trying to compete. And the thing with me, when I go out, I'm actually just having a good time. I'm actually doing what I love. As you said, I'm a third generation. My father uh, did martial art. I'm a second generation martial artist, but I'm a third generation fighter. My grandfather was a boxer. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, It's a celebration for me more than I'm not necessarily going out trying to hurt my opponent. Most people think you go out and you want to hurt this person and put cause and pain. I just want to go out. I want to perform my skill set. I want to stop that person. um, But I don't want to cause any type of long term damage or I have no ill will towards that person. Uh, For me, it's more about the display of my skill set and what I work at.
0: Yeah, and you want to entertain and that's why you have guys like exhibit wrapping you to the, uh, to the, <laughs> <laughs> to your fights and that sort of thing. Um, well let, let's discuss the fight itself. I, you're in match with a very tough guy in Jeremiah, Jeremiah Metcalf. I mean, he was eight and four and already competed in strike Force. So, and, and I'll, I'll say real quick, you mentioned Kung. I have been, you know, the show we're going through all the major strike force events. And so I've watched every one of Kung's fights, um, oh. so far and, they for whatever reason sammy morgan uh tony Frickland, the guys he would fight frank shamrock the guys would stand with him which i was yeah i mean he had a great he had a great he was an, a great wrestler i mean he had a strong wrestling background and, and so he was able to shut guys off when they did try but uh, you know that's obviously a big difference and and them knowing that and all that stuff so it was a little bit different when you come with you coming in just straight striking so definitely different but they threw you into the deep end uh, right away. I, I watched the fight a few weeks ago and then actually rewatched it this morning. Mm-hmm. Metcalf just never gave you a chance to really, I mean, you said you like to display your skills. I mean, he never gave you that chance. He clinched right away. You gra- ended up grabbing a, uh, a, a pretty good guillotine pretty quick. And then, you know, it was kind of over from there. And then he got into the second round. He clinched again right away, took you down. Were you surprised? that he went kind of the obvious route and didn't really try to engage you on the feet? Or did you think he'd give you kind of a fair, a fair shot and try to try you out on the feet?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, when I went in there, I honestly thought that, uh, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, most people have a little bit of a kind of a chip on their shoulder or ego, so to speak. So they, you know, like that's why I feel like sometimes when people were even fighting Kung, it, it, it's because Kung's wrestling was so good that, people didn't try to take him down and they would prefer to stand up fight with him, which didn't really make sense because they would get tired, I guess, you know, trying to wrestle him. Yeah. But I thought that he would uh, want to try and stand up like, oh, let me prove I can actually stand up fight because that's what a lot of people do. Like, yeah. oh, let me who's, prove who's I can this, stand up. Who's
0: this kickboxer trying to come into my sport, basically?
1: Exactly. And so that was my thought process going in. Um, also, it's about just the people I surrounded myself with at the times and stuff like that. Um, because going into my first MMA fight, I believe he already had 12 MMA fights. He yep, was eight That's correct. four. That's right. You don't really see too many people going into their very first MMA fight fighting somebody that has 12 MMA yeah. fights, like an yeah. eight four. With a lot of them being submissions. Um, so that's also just, again, me understanding, you know, uh, of having, you know, coaches or managers or just life experience. Because yeah. that's not a fight that I should take for my very no. first fight in no. MMA. If you look at every MMA, every MMA fighter, not one of them has probably fought somebody with, uh, tw- what, 1,200 times the fight experience in a particular sport. That, yeah. You know what I mean? than they have. Um, so that was also just a, a learning experience for me. You know what I mean? That was a life, you know, sometimes life lessons hit hard and that was one that literally hit me hard, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so that, so I wasn't surprised. Um, I mean, it surprised me, obviously when it happened, I was hoping, what well, my thought was, is that he was going to try and stand up and fight with me and swing at me and stuff like that. So, um. You know, the fact that he did take me down, um, uh, was just, you know, a, a smart game plan from him and his coaches on his side, you know what I mean, of defense. So it was a very uh, you know. It was one of those, it felt like I remember being in there and I remember it feeling like one of those dreams where you're like trying to run from something and you can't get away or you're like, (laughs) you know, or you're like, you're like stuck in something and you can't get out and you're like, ah, like you ever had like in a dream, your arms are like tied to you and you can't push your arms away. So it was like one of those, uh, one of those dreams. Sounds like a nightmare. Uh, Jeez. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Exactly. It was basically a nightmare, uh, you know, happening to me. And, and I remember just not having the knowledge of how to get up with somebody, say, mounted you. And I was just like, and he was hitting me and I'm thinking, you know what, fine, I'm just gonna fight you from right here. And (laughs) I just started trying to swing back from- Which never works,
0: never works out. (laughs) Oh, never,
1: but in your mind, in that moment, (laughs) it's working for you, you know? So obviously that that didn't work out too well, but that, again, that's not necessarily lack of um, ability. It's more of lack of knowledge and understanding. And yeah. that's what, so I wasn't, I wasn't educated there. So because I wasn't educated, I set myself up for failure because I didn't educate myself properly. Um, now that's why I like a train over with uh, Mark Munoz at Training Lab, with Coach Sam Calavita. Um, so that way I've trained with people that are more experienced in life, that are more educated, that have been down that path before and are able to help me uh, in a way that, um, I was missing back there.
0: Well, Mark, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody better than Mark. I mean, high character guy and obviously very successful in MMA. So that's a good, that's a good choice there. And and I got to say, I mean, especially hearing all this from you, I got to fault your, 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 whoever your manager was at that time and your coaches, they should have never let you take a fight with, I mean, Kung didn't start off with it. He started off with Brian, with, uh, Mike Alt, I think who was, muddy. which is another
1: stand-up kickboxer guy. Yeah, exactly.
0: He yeah. fought Brian Warren early on, who was somebody he'd already beaten in kickboxing. So, I mean, he was matched up very smartly. So very, very different uh, approach. And, and obviously, you, you know, kind of paid the price for it. And I, I want to, you've had, it's funny. I mean, we're talking about this one loss and you've had so much success. Oh yeah. At, yeah. No, it's okay. I, don't,
1: I don't mind it for me. <laughs> for me, people always look at like, Oh, you have these victories. You've done these cool knockouts. That one, um, you know, a couple of my my I only have a few defeats. There's only ever been able, a couple of people ever to get by me, and, but those were some of the biggest lessons to me. That was one of my, to be honest, like I, I I don't like that that happened, but I love that it happened because it was one of my biggest life lessons. In order to uh, teach me about the lack of knowledge, yeah, and the lack of preparation, and putting in 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 the lack of having the proper people around you in order to direct you in life in a, in a, in a direction.
0: Yeah. You, you don't, you don't learn unless you lose, I man. It's just, just kind mm-hmm. of the way it goes. So
1: it's what it is.
0: Uh, well, well, we'll, we'll get off this. I, I, I got a few more questions I want to ask, but you, yeah. you didn't, you didn't fight again for quite a while. It, it looked like mm-hmm. you're based on your record. You were out for about three years from, from any sort of competitive sports and you wouldn't compete in MMA again for 11, 11 years. So kind of, I mean, after that, you're like, screw this. I'm <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Or what was kind of, what was your thinking for taking that break? And, and what, you know, what made you uh, yeah. What made you decide to take that break before we get back into you coming back into combat sports?
1: So there was a, uh, there was a break in there um, from me uh, competing and stuff like that. Uh, one of the kickboxing leagues, kind of, uh, I was doing the WCL that stopped. Um, and then I had came, I reemerged, I believe in glory. Uh, But during between that time, people, people don't uh, know that I actually ruptured my Achilles tendon. So, um, because I ruptured my Achilles tendon, that's at least six months to a year off. So, um, when I ruptured it, I wasn't able to obviously fight or compete or let alone walk around. Right, um, so right. therefore that, that took some time off for, for, uh, for competing for me. And then I was just focusing on now um, single father at the time. So focusing on my son, um, my business and stuff like that. So it was a humbling experience in a lot of ways. I lost a fight. I had, uh, it ended up rupturing my Achilles uh, during between that time kind of. And so it was like a, you know, a few different things in life of, you know, f- losing for one of the first time, then having a humbling experience where you're not able to walk around, you know what I mean? And, and just do. So I think it, uh, it, uh, it inspired me and, and improved my love for the game of martial arts and continue to learn. Then, then I started going and, um, and moving on and forward from there. And and the reason why it took me a while to come back is just, I, uh, I didn't I enjoy martial arts, but I never really enjoyed the the grind of the wrestling and jujitsu when I was a young man. It's it's a different it's a, just a different uh, training session and oh, a yeah. different work ethic, you know, different bumps and bruises that you go home with on a daily basis. Um, you know, um, and I was kind of say the master craftsman in my craft already. Um, so I kind of stayed in my lane. Thus, I kept doing, um, you know, the kickboxing and stuff like that. And um, then obviously ending up winning the, my world title there as well.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You, you've gone 14 and three since getting back into kickboxing in 2011, you won the pain and glory 185 pound tournament. You became the Bellator kickboxing welterweight champion. What made you decide? So you, and you last fought in kickboxing in 2018. Now it seems like you're full on in MMA. What, what, what made you decide to get back into MMA after being out of it? for so long is it you know i had this loss this sour taste in my mouth i need to try this again or is it just natural progression of your skill set
1: um i think i think one uh, mma has always been a natural progression of of what my skill set was going to come to but i'm a person that likes to uh to rise to the top of, of whatever particular sport i'm in and then continue to move continue to move forward if you were in my immediate circle and in my group you would know that uh I Can was I be <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I got you. Um uh, if you, but my immediate group people w- were around me knew I was always going to go back and do MMA because that left that sour taste in my mouth. That was that um you know that thing that happened to me in life um that didn't say go the way that I want to. Uh the first couple fights that I lost when I lost a couple of those fights in um MMA uh, or sorry not MMA and kickboxing were fights that I was just coming back so I had to adapt my style from because I used to move around a whole lot more um, but that was all pre-Achilles uh, surgery and mm-hmm. so while those first three four fights five fights I'm kind of learning how to reintroduce myself to fighting even to training in different things so I had to start to train you know obviously smarter not harder you know so I wasn't able to run like I I did. I wasn't able to do all the things that I was doing in the way that I was doing them. So I'm literally learning on the job again um, of how to do that. So, you know, it presented some problems, but again, great learning lessons helped me evolve. And then just going back to the MMA, I got a, I got a call from uh, from Scott saying, Hey, you know, we love what you're doing in the kickboxing world. After I had won my title and they wanted to be able to get me to do the things that I'm capable of doing and that they've seen me do over the years in, the kickboxing arena in front of the large audience now that MMA has um so then that was my first uh MMA fight back coming in Birmingham and and I was really excited to do it because not many people in life get to go back and correct imagine if you had a time machine and there was a moment in time that you can kind of go back and correct and fix it and then uh I went to Birmingham and that's when I had that uh that 720 knockout that kind of went viral and stuff like that and everybody's like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm like yeah you guys don't realize that was 11 years of bent up ready to get back to MMA and I needed to to (laughs) expect that moment in, in life um, I wasn't planning on it coming out like that and, and it did, and it came out in a spectacular fashion in it. Uh, I, I felt like it, uh, reintroduced me to the MMA world because I didn't do it uh, like I was meant to do it the first time because I didn't prepare myself properly. Um, I'm able to go out and do moves like that now because I have such amazing training, um, partners and coaches now, um, you know, that give me the knowledge that I need in order to be successful.
0: Well, you you kind of answered my my next question. I I wanted to talk about the 720, and I'll give you some some quick background. I was, you know, we were doing the research for the uh, Melendez versus Thompson card, and I see this Raymond Daniels guy, and I'm like, yeah, that name kind of rings a little bit of a bell. And so I start digging in my research. I'm like, oh, holy crap, this is the guy that did the 720 in Bellator last year. (laughs) And I like, you know, I let my co, I'm like, you have you seen? And he hadn't seen it. I'm like, oh, you have to look this up. And he looked it up while we were recording the episode on that fight card he was like oh my god you gotta go back through and watch this like a few times watch it in slow-mo and all this stuff i mean it was just amazing to it was such an i mean it's got to be one of the greatest ko's in history and i'm sure you've 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 uh you've talked about it a lot but you gotta you gotta give us a little bit on that you know obviously very satisfying to redeem yourself um as far as mma goes but through the talk us through the 720 just for a second that Was that something where you got in the air and you were, I mean, do you train that or is that something you kind of got in the air and you're just looking for an opening and it just happened to be that straight right at the end of the, (laughs) those rotations you went through?
1: Um, Well, it is, it is something that I, that I actually trained. It's actually normally supposed to be like a kick that I actually throw, but um, it kind of didn't work out that way just because uh, the distance that my opponent presented uh, while I was in the rotation. Um, But I I threw a spin back kick uh, to the liver which is a kick that I know uh, Kung liked to throw, hit hit, him with uh, spin kicks. So um, I had the opportunity. People think, oh, you just come out and do that. We'll do that move again. It's like "Mm, if if everything doesn't kind of like add up to the right moment in time, then you're not able to recreate that moment. I was able to hit him with a spin kick in the liver, um, which knocked him down. In kickboxing, normally that would have been a knockdown. He'd have got a 10 count, right, or eight count or whatever until he got up. But uh any shot to the liver makes it hard for a person to stand and to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew where I landed that shot and I knew that my hom- opponent was compromised, his damage he was hurt. So therefore now it's an opportunity to pull out, you know, a high risk move um, because you know, he's limited on what he can do on his mobility, um, you know, and he's hurt. So uh as I started going into this uh this 720 punch, uh I realized that he's actually had more room to move back. I thought he was already against the fence, but he pushes back against the fence. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss this kick. And if you miss, sometimes it can actually propel your body forward. Um, So as I go up, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be able to kick him because he's going to be too far. So I used my, uh, when I landed, I used like a push drag and threw an overhand right in order to finish like closing the distance. And uh, it just landed. So uh, it landed perfectly. I couldn't, you know, you can't write a movie better and make an <laughs> yeah. a, a ending of uh, the Karate Kid or the next Karate Kid better than, you know, a move like that. Um, yeah. So it was kind of a, you know, it was a spectacular thing. that I was just like, oh, um, I was uh, I was actually doing that move during um fight week uh, leading up to fight week she's my fiance at the time my wife now um and she's uh, uh she uh, when we get back to the room later that night she was like oh my gosh I can't believe you landed that she's like I gotta tell you she's like while you were uh you know during fight week she's like you kept doing this the 720 I kept doing it during training um you know as I was warming up for fight week and stuff she was like I was gonna tell you like why don't you stop doing that freaking 720 <laughs> it's not like you're gonna go out there and do that during the fight and she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't say that to you because you would never let me live that down. <laughs> I, oh, I would, and she knows. She knows better. I would definitely, oh, yeah,
0: I'd better get her word
1: for the rest of her life. <laughs> so, um,
0: Well, that, I mean, it was highlight reel, you know, all over the world. Amazing. You know, nobody can ever take that away from you. Um, Just a couple more questions and we'll let you go. So what, what does the future hold for the real deal? Are you hundred percent? You haven't fought in kickboxing since 2018. Are you 100% MMA only going forward? Are you going to try to do both or where's your, where's your mindset when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I still retain my kickboxing title. If anybody wants uh, challenge me on it, I'm definitely open to defending it. Um, but right now, I'm uh, obviously proceeding uh, in the MMA field in the MMA world. Um, my goal is to rise to the top. I did it in in pretty much every league. Um, that I've competed in, I did it in sport karate, WCL, did in Glory, did in Bellator kickboxing. And now I'm in Bellator MMA. Um, so my goal is, is to rise to the top and. Uh, I don't come to a, a, a sport or venue to just do it. I, I come to be the best and to to challenge the best. Um, you know, so that's what my goal is. My goal is to rise to the top, challenge the people that are top, and to win the Bellator MMA title. And then uh, after I collect that, I'll have the kickboxing title and the MMA title. And, mm. and then uh, maybe before I retire, I'll call out whoever the boxing champion is and be the, be the all-sport, the triple champ or something like that, and actually be the real triple C, kickboxing mma and boxing
0: nice nice <laughs> all right well hey goals gotta 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 have goals all right you got to you
1: gotta set them you gotta set them that's the only way to keep moving forward in life
0: there you go all right well I, I know you've got your gym in orange california world champion karate which can be found at WCkarate.com. you're also on twitter and instagram at rd underscore goat uh anything else that you'd like to mention you have coming up any fights scheduled or any any other projects that you want to mention
1: um, no, I'm looking to get back in there coming up, hopefully in uh, February or March or something like that, uh, get back in the MMA uh, cage. Um, if you guys are like my style, make sure you guys check out Evolution Fighting System evolutionfightingsystems.com um, and that's where I come out with my own uh, fight. I have my own fighting style for sport karate I'm in the process of working on my uh, my pro series which is going to be uh, kind of like how I use my fighting style in MMA and how I've used it in kickboxing so it's uh, kind of like a, a, a hybrid fighting style since you've ever seen me fight I fight a little bit different um, so I'll be going over and, and showing all those moves of how I do them and how I perform them.
0: Alright awesome um, alright one, one last question and we'll let you go when you look back at that strike force fight all these years later uh, what, what is the one single I, I obviously learned multiple things but what is the most important lesson and really like even from a life lesson perspective that you took away from that that you feel is worthy of, of being shared?
1: I think one of the things is um, is, is, is surround yourself with with like-minded and, and great-minded people and people that are, are, are there to look out for you and motivate you um, because you don't know what you don't know until something happens to you so surround yourself with people uh, that are very knowledgeable in the field that that it is that you want and uh, i think that's one of the the biggest things and biggest lessons that i've learned is to surround myself with people um, like-minded people so that way they can inspire me and continue to push me um so you know and to all the young people out there in mma don't don't ever believe your own hype you know surround yourself with um make sure you be humble be be grateful for all the different blessings that you have and and don't forget to enjoy the ride mm.
0: all right well I, I said one final question but this one just popped in my mind if if the boxing thing if uh if it ever comes up looks like they're talking about evander holyfield versus uh mike tyson uh if <laughs> if, if, if Evander, you might see where i'm going with this uh-huh. the, battle, the battle of the real deals is that <laughs> if evander ever came out and said i want my name, <laughs> myself my own my, just me uh would that be something you'd want to do
1: Oh yeah, man! Uh, I I I go for the real. We could fight for the real deal name, the real deal title. Uh, there you go. <laughs> no,
0: uh, but uh, yeah,
1: now it'd be interesting to see if they come out and do it. So, um, it's 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 an interesting time right now, I think, for boxing. That's why I think MMA is is starting to. Uh, to take over our uh, boxing has always been the king of combat sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're uh, starting to be dethroned to be honest, if you ask me, um, I think that's what MMA is doing is dethroning boxing right now. Boxing is doing kind of more of the, the, the circus kind of shows, yep. you know what I mean? It, it, I, it, no offense to all those. They're, they're amazing legends and stuff like that, but they're right now they're trying to use their names um, of the amazing careers that they had, instead of creating new, you know, legends and legacies uh, yeah. for their sport. Um, you know, I think it, you know, so even like the the Floyd versus Connor, that was at least uh, a match of champion versus champion of a crossover sport. So that was, but I think that was the catalyst that opened up, you know, all these uh, people that are not professionals that are going out and in fighting on i mean look at mm-hmm. look who was on the undercard of a uh, Roy jones and mike tyson fight that would have never been uh undercard of a real boxing match yep uh, uh jake paul and uh nathan robinson right you know for me that's more of a
0: uh a side yeah. show. a circus, a circus. Yeah, it's more of a yeah. circus, circus yeah. things yeah.
1: more of a side show type thing and i think that that and people are looking at it like, oh, they got a lot of views, but yes, this is the downfall. If you look at it right now, it's kind of, I feel like personally, if you are asking me, just my opinion, again, it's just an opinion. I think it's kind of like the downfall of boxing and they're losing the prestige that they once had by allowing those type of fights to happen not the mike tyson and and uh jones fights because th- i think that's something that you could do even with like mma is like a, a legends event you know what i mean where you have some legends come out and spar because they got a good you know minute 90 seconds two minutes at the most you know what i mean that they can you know hit, see some glimpses of their greatness you know what i mean but um i think you know the sideshow stuff is the downfall of boxing
0: yeah no i i, I... I can't disagree with you on there. I mean, you have that at the top with Jones and Tyson, you know, they're saying that was the best-selling pay-per-view of all time, supposedly and all that stuff, but that's, it's not sustainable and it's not something you could build on. And it's, you know, it's funny, like, as I'm going through these events that Scott Coker put on, you know, he's kind of known over the last several years for putting on the Tito fights and the, you know, letting Ken come, Shamrock come back and, you know, different stuff like that. And now, He's very much getting away from that and realize, you know, that well, we got to build on youth or we got to build on guys that are still in their prime and still, you know, putting on a good show. And he's kind of gotten away from the circus sideshow stuff. And there's, I mean, there's mm-hmm. an audience for it, but are you going to build on that for the long term? You know, no. So I, I think exactly. I think you're spot on with that. So, but anyways, well, I, taking up enough of your time, Raymond, the real deal, Daniels. Thank you so much for for appearing and and really being a, a good sport about talking about. You know, your, your first ML- MMA loss, it was, it was really great connecting with you. I very much appreciate it.
1: No problem at all. It was my pleasure. It's a great conversation, uh, and I'm never shy to talk about, uh, you know, life lessons.
0: All right. I want to thank my very special guest, Raymond, the real deal Daniels for taking the time to join me on inside the hexagon. It was great talking with him, hearing about his initial foray into MMA and everything else that we discussed. Uh, That was just so much fun. So I really enjoyed it. Hope that you really enjoyed it as well. Hope that you're also enjoying the other episodes that we've been putting out. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with the legend Frank Shamrock. This is the very first time that we're having a repeat guest on the show. and, And I can't think of somebody better to do that with than Frank. We talk about his very Very final fight. In MMA, which was against Nick Diaz at Strike Force Shamrock versus Diaz back in 2009. We break that fight down, talk about the promotion leading up to it, the aftermath, and of course, talking about uh, what happened in the cage during the uh, from bell to bell. So it's a great conversation. Hope that you're looking forward to that. After that, we will be just breaking down the next Strike Force event, which was Lawler versus Shields. Uh, that's a very interesting event. Some great fights on that card. Brett Rogers versus Andre Alofsky, uh, Nick Diaz versus Scott Smith. And then of course, uh, Jake Jake Shields versus Robbie Lawler. So lots to break down there. So we've got some great stuff coming down the pipeline. So make sure that you are, have subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you rate and review. But with that, we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset. Hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy. We'll see you soon.